So this parable that Jesus uh, shares in the Gospel of Matthew uh, is sometimes called the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Sometimes it's also called the parable of the good employer. Um, it starts out, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who. Uh, so just to be clear, when uh, Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew, the kingdom of heaven, uh, and then goes on to teach through a parable, he's not teaching about what it is that we do to get to heaven. He's actually using the term the kingdom of heaven in a sense to mean the kingdom of God. And, and he's giving us a picture of, of what it would be like to live under the reign according to the values of the kingdom of God on earth. And then kind of putting before us a choice uh, as he teaches. So you may have heard the uh, parable before, but I want to go back over a few details uh, so we can make note of some, some uh, distinctions through, through the story. There's a, a pretty common scene here. A landowner has a vineyard. Uh, he needs some unskilled labor to do some probably seasonal agricultural work and um, goes to the marketplace where those unskilled laborers who are going to try to earn their living through a day labor are waiting to be uh, paired with an employer. And uh, he goes early in the morning and, and with the first group of people who are there, and I imagine there are other employers also trying to get uh, people to work for the day, he basically has an oral contract with them where he says, uh, I'll pay you a denarian. And they agree to that and go off, go off with him to work. Uh, and the denarian, just so you know what, what Jesus' hearers would have known automatically, uh, the denarian was equivalent to a normal day's pay for um, manual labor hired for the day. Uh, but it wasn't, wasn't a, a, a generous pay. It was barely enough to, to maintain a family at, at the uh, subsistence level. So then the owner goes back uh, other times, goes back uh, early in the morning, uh, not a little bit later, at 9 o'clock, and then at noon and 3 o'clock, and uh, sees people standing there, not working, and says, uh, come work in my vineyard, I'll pay you what's right. So they go off to work, uh, not with an actual kind of contract from, from the employer. They go off to work. Uh, now they don't have a lot of bargaining power, right, middle of the day. A lot of the employers have already come and gone. And, and so they, whatever is right. So they're trusting, in a sense, that the employer will do the right thing and, uh, and treat them fairly. And then uh, at 5 o'clock, when there would have been just probably an hour left in the workday, he goes back one more time and sees people standing around and must need more work done. So actually, to this group, he asks a question. And, and the question uh, maybe implies a little bit of uh, judgment on his part. What do you, why are you just standing here all day doing nothing? And they answer him, because no one will hire us. 
And he says, come along, work, and they do and work. And then at the end of the day, the, um, does anyone mind if I take this? <laughs> I can't keep this. It's not made for narrow, sh it's not made for women's shoulders. <clears throat> he says, uh, can you uh, come and, and get paid now? And he has the manager, uh, for some reason, deal with, and this is where the story gets a little different than what you might expect if you were a person in Jesus' time. He, he has the people who started last get paid first. So there the five o'clock workers come, and the people near the end of the line see them getting a denarian, the three o'clock workers a denarian, the noon workers a denarian, the nine o'clock workers a denarian, and by the time the people who have worked all day in the hot sun come up, well, lo and behold, they get the same thing. I imagine they'd had a little time to form an anticipation that they might get a little bit more. And so they grumble. And uh, their assumption uh, in their grumbling is, is kind of a, a, a fairness principle. Well. Uh, why would you grumble if you got paid what you'd agreed to, uh, except that you saw other people who worked much less getting paid the same? You might say, equal pay for equal work. They've gotten paid this amount. I should be getting more. So uh, how many people kind of hear that story and feel pretty empathetic with the grumblers? Oh, you are so much more honest than the 9 o'clock people. Uh, my husband, even while he was kind of reading this over my shoulder, he was like, what? <gasps> and that's our natural reaction. Um, it's interesting, then the landowner says, why? Why would you complain? You, you got what you are owed, and why can't I choose to be generous with the others uh, with whom I had no contract? So most often, this parable uh, has a, a pretty, um, pretty standard interpretation that uh, sees this parable being Jesus' way of, of getting people to see themselves in the situation of persons who might be resentful, who have uh, been dutiful and worked hard, of grace and favor that goes to people who seem less worthy. So oftentimes it's, it's uh, thought to refer to the situation in, in the church uh, of Matthew's time and of Jesus' time anticipating that there were uh, people who were Jews who had followed the law, who had been trusting in God's promises all their lives and who received Jesus and uh, they had a sense and they really belonged there um, and they were brought into a right relationship with God and then people came along who hadn't been following the law who didn't have a long history of being God's people who received uh, Christ and were also part of the community of faith and everyone has the same kind of reward is that fair so oftentimes the parable is interpreted as being uh, really about grabbing on to self-awareness of the way we can uh, underplay God's grace by 
by being resentful of others. And I don't think that's uh, wrong, but it seems to me like oftentimes parables can, can have more than one meaning. And so I, I want to uh, want to lift up some other possibilities. Uh, first, I want to I, I say that when I chose this passage, I had no idea that there was going to be a government shutdown. Okay? This was actually supposed to be the sermon last week, uh, but we were canceled. I had no idea there was going to be a government shutdown. Uh, so I wasn't intending to go in this direction, but I have to say, having the government shut down and all of the kinds of issues around employment and fairness and... Um, and the different kinds of employment and fairness issues, it just made me pop out this passage, and I thought, maybe we could consider if this is not also about God's justice and not just God's grace or mercy. So stick with me a, a minute here then. So. We said that the, the basis, the assumption of the people who grumbled is equal pay for equal work. Uh, and, and we can see that there are some assumptions from the Old Testament law that were at work there. Uh, we read in Deuteronomy that there uh, are principles about the way you treat workers and the way you treat particularly the vulnerable people who are unskilled labor daily, daily workers. Uh, you, you are not supposed to humiliate them by if, if they've had to take out a loan by going into their house to demand it back. You're not supposed to let them go cold by keeping their coat uh, when it's been the collateral uh, for a loan, when it's cold outside. And you're supposed to pay them that day so that they can provide for their family's needs as they come. Um, so there are principles that were at work in the Old Testament about fairness and employment. Uh, there are also principles that uh, are raised in this. Um, the whole parable raises the question of, uh, what is right? They said, this is not right, equal pay for equal work. It doesn't exactly answer it, uh, but it does suggest the possibility of some answers. One possible answer uh, to the question of uh, what is right in the kingdom of God, what is the value, uh, is we could say everyone got the sustenance wage. We could say this is about a living wage. Um, and that would be another principle we could take from this. Uh, we could see that the principle that everybody should earn enough to live on, uh, no matter how much they work, could have some difficulties in its implementation. And I think this passage is probably really not giving an alternate law. I think this passage is telling us more about what values are contained in the way we think of justice. So let me go back to the details of the story. Uh, you can imagine lots of reasons why someone who wants to work uh, doesn't make it to the marketplace to get employed as early as somebody else. Uh, just this week, my mom has been in and out of the hospital, um, and 
That means I, I need to take care of multiple things, shift things around. Uh, it has made my regular work schedule more difficult. Fortunately, I have some flexibility with that, but not everybody does. So you can fill in a whole bunch of scenarios where people who want to work and are trying to work or doing the right thing cannot get into the marketplace first thing in the morning. The employer seems to know that. But he does ask the question near the end of the day, well, you've been here all day long, why aren't you working? And they say, nobody's hired us. Well, again, in our modern world, we can think of lots of categories of people for whom nobody will hire us applies. People who have uh, experienced racial prejudice sometimes uh, see, there have been studies that have shown that names that uh, don't seem as uh, white as other names uh, don't get callbacks uh, as readily, even with the same qualifications. There are other reasons people can be just written off uh, from employment. Uh, people who have a record, who've maybe served their time, maybe haven't had a, uh, any criminal charges for a long time, but still, that can be just written off. And so we can think about, you know, people that just are not given a chance and imagine that scenario, something like that today. I want to suggest that I think what we're supposed to grab onto about this passage is that more than giving us a law, a new law to think of, we are to realize that in the kingdom of God, an important part of justice and our consideration of what is right is seeing the dignity and worth of every person. The reason I chose this passage in the first place for this month is John and I have been doing sermons that have reflected on some of the principles in, in Martin Luther King Jr.'s thought. Um, and so I want to turn to think with him just a little bit about this uh, situation, uh, this economic question, this employment question. We oftentimes associate Martin Luther King with a civil rights uh, agenda that is really focused on race. And uh, that is obviously a huge part of his, his work, his theory, his, his legacy. But actually, I really think that was part of a much bigger picture that he had. And um, I'm going to give you a couple examples that back that up. The actual march that he was attending, the thing that took him to Memphis, Tennessee, um, where he was assassinated, was actually uh, a sanitation worker strike in the city of Memphis. Uh, all of the sanitation workers in the city of Memphis were black. And they uh, did those difficult jobs under a lot of burdens. Uh, they couldn't go ask anybody to use any restrooms. There weren't public toilets that were uh, accessible to everyone out and around. There weren't places they could get food. And uh, they were very poorly paid. And uh, the thing that actually sparked the uh, massive demonstrations that King went down to uh, talk and inspire the people for 
were sparked by a tragic incident due to a rule that the uh, sanitation workers caught out in a storm could not go ask anyone for shelter. They were not allowed to seek shelter. If they couldn't all fit in the cab of the truck, and they couldn't always all fit in the cab of the truck, they just had to be out in the elements. And on this particular occasion, two workers uh, who were out in the elements of a really bad storm sought shelter in the back of, of the, where the trash goes into the, to the sanitation truck. And from that location, they were crushed, compacted, like trash. And that was the final indignity that caused the march where the theme was, I am a man, not a piece of trash. I am a man. And King went down to stand with those workers asking for the conditions that honored their dignity as human beings. I think this story is about not necessarily another rule of employment, but it's asking us to remember the dignity of everyone who is trying to make their way in life. Lord knows there are lots of things that do not pe put people on a level playing field throughout life. And it is so easy to discount all of the kinds of advantages or disadvantages that people have. But on the day when the landowner was paying the people and the question was, what is right? He looked in the face of human beings whose stories he probably didn't know, but who needed to go home that day with food for their families. And a simple affirmation of dignity may exactly be what was behind the decision to pay them each a denarian. Martin Luther King, one week, or one year to the, uh, to the day uh, before he was assassinated, was preaching at Riverside Church in New York City. It's a very highfalutin, important pulpit. If people, uh, the only time I was there was in the winter and there were people walking down the aisles in fur coats. So he was a brave man. From that pulpit, he said this, we must begin to shift from a thing-oriented society to a person-oriented society. When machines and computers, profit motives and property rights are considered more important than people, the giant triplets of racism, extreme materialism, and militarism are incapable of being conquered. I think the parable of the good employer reminds us that we human beings made in the image of God are not just spiritual beings, we are material beings as well. And honoring the dignity of all people will involve us, will involve us sometimes in rethinking the values that dictate 
the normal course of events in our world so that we can live out God's kingdom values. I really believe that um, there's so much nostalgia for the, the civil rights movement and for the work of Martin Luther King Jr. because it was genuinely a spiritual movement and being a real spiritual movement, it made a difference in our world. Differences that are still needing to be advanced today. And I, um, I like to uh, go back and reflect because we have lots of movements of people, you know, protesting different things. It's, it's almost, um, it's almost uh, just a part of the fabric of what we expect of everyday life. But, but King said that in his vision from the I Have a Dream speech, that he was looking forward to a day when his children would no longer be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And part of King's uh, brilliant prophetic leadership was that he helped nurture a peace-loving, kingdom-centered character in the movement that he led, a movement which still today reminds us that in the kingdom of God, there's dignity and worth for all people. May it be so.